Um, there is no other book in the world that can compare to that. Amen? Um, I have to confess, I was probably just a little bit one of those weird teenagers. Um, God called me to preach at an early age. He called me to preach in the eighth grade. And uh, oftentimes, my mom would, or my dad would come in and step in my room at 11 o'clock because I was reading through Matthew Henry just because. I mean, who does that? Weird preacher kids, I don't know. But uh, I can remember as a kid growing up, I couldn't get enough of it. And I spent my summers from ninth grade through 12th grade uh, working as a summer missionary at a mission agency uh, that was an extension of Baptist International Missions uh, at Camp of the Woods in Dryden, Ontario, Canada. And one of the requirements was, as a summer staff, you had to you know, basically be in the chapel every morning by 7 a.m. doing devotions. And at first, what seemed to be, uh, this is boring, turned into something I really look forward to every day. And uh, I still, to this day, I, 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 it irritates me that I lost my original Bible. It was somewhere on our honeymoon that I lost it. And uh, I had that whole Bible underlined. It was one of those Bibles I had you know, recovered three times. I used it all through college. I mean, all through high, and it was the first Bible. I remember as a kid, and this is all kind of play into what we're talking about this morning, but I can remember as a kid in uh, like fifth or sixth grade, I wanted a nice leather Bible. And I still, I like leather Bibles. I love the stink of them, everything. I like a good leather Bible. But it's kind of funny. I wanted a leather Bible so bad. And my dad said, I'm not buying you a leather Bible because you'll just rip it up. And I said, I want a leather Bible. Because all the adults have leather Bibles, right? I mean, every adult had a leather Bible. I mean, this is before fake leather and hardbacks. And you know, everybody, adults had nice leather ones. And they had to be Schofield, too, in my church. You know, so growing up, you know, Dad said, okay, I'll tell you what you do. He says, you mow the yards all summer, and uh, at the end of the summer, I'll take you down to the Fourth Baptist Church bookstore, and I'll buy you a nice leather Bible with the money that you earned. <laughs> so, uh, so that's what happened. I mowed all summer, and I, had, I remember I had this little box. I saved all my cash, and I had like 120 bucks in it. I'm like, when are we going? When are we going? I was so excited to get my first leather Bible. And uh, so I went down there, and I think I got a Schofield 184LRL, red letter. That was the model number. And I remember, I was thinking, that was hot stuff, man. I got me a leather adult Bible, Schofield, with a case. I mean, I was, I was excited about it. And uh, so I used that all through high school, all through four years of college, and uh, it's gone. At any rate, I love the Bible. God put a, a special love in my heart for the Bible. And uh, this book has been driving my life since I was a kid. Um, I, I can remember most of the verses I, I re, you know, learned as a kid and growing up through Awana and uh, through other programs, through proteins, and just all the things that God used in my life to develop within me a heart for the Word of God. And I'm so thankful for it and how God has used it in my life to make me who I am. And as I said, I was a bit weird. I read it through, I read through the Bible from cover to cover before I graduated from high school a couple times. And into college we had to read it, and so I read it, and, and I never regret it. I've read this book probably more than any other book, and I never regret it. Because it has the ability to change lives like no other book. Amen? It's so important that we understand that. And uh, as we get started this morning, we've been talking about finding our joy in God. It's hard to find joy in God if you don't have much of a relationship with Him, right? 
God finds His joy in us when we find our joy in Him. The bottom line is God wants us to desire Him and to find our joy in Him. And the only way we can find joy in Him is to get to know Him and spend time with Him and to have a relationship with Him. And many times you've heard me say this. A lot of communication, probably a strong relationship. Very little communication, probably very little relationship. And the only way God can communicate with us, or the primary way God speaks to us, is through His Word. And God speaks to us. And whether you listen to it online, or whether you read the, listen to the cassettes or the CDs, or whether you spend time with it, there's no substitute for getting into the Word of God and letting the Word of God come into our hearts and our lives to make us who He wants us to be. There's no substitute for that. And uh, we often joke as men, well, it's more than a quarter inch thick, it's not in color, and there's no, not very many pictures, so I guess I won't be spending a lot of time there. We have really got to change the mindset that God wants us to be in His Word, because that's how He communicates to us. So whether it's, as I said, through the Internet, or through the cassettes, or CDs, or somehow we've got to get the Word of God in us. And as we do that, we get to learn more about who God is. And as we learn more about who God is, we begin to find even greater joy in that. Amen? That's where our joy is going to come from, from knowing God. So as we get started, I'm just going to ask several questions. And as I say often, we're going to be jumping around a little bit. And uh, I know Ben will be faithful putting the, the passages up there. So just hang on a little bit, and we're going to get into God's Word. But before we do that, let's look to the, word, the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here in your house this morning. We thank you for the, the purpose for which we're here to, to glorify you and exalt you That is through all that is said and done. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and our lives, Lord, to draw us closer to you, Lord, to teach us some things that would help us in our journey with you, Lord. So God, speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first question I want us to look at this morning is, what is the miraculous power of the Word? It's an amazing thing to consider. Uh, as you look throughout history, there have been tens of thousands, millions of books that have been published about every subject under the sun. But there is no greater published book than the Bible. And the amazing thing about it is it's the only book that's published that has changed the amount of lives that it has. In John chapter 20... In verse 31, it gives us a little bit of a clue here as to why. John chapter 20, verse 31 says this, But these are written so that you may believe. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in His name. One of the major reasons that God gives us His Word, one of the major reasons that He's written this, is that we may have life. There is no life in anything else outside of Christ. Not a sustainable, eternal life in Jesus Christ outside of the Word of God. And in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, it says this, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. You know, it's an amazing thing. I can have conversations with people, and we do. And we can have all long uh, uh, dialogues, and we can talk about different things. But... God's Word is the very thing that the Holy Spirit uses to transform a heart and a life. And so all the more when He says faith comes by hearing, well, what are they hearing? What are they listening to? The Word of God. And then, of course, one is saved by the message that is found in this book. And so we need to make sure that it is at a primary place in our life, that it is at a central focal point 
for what we do. And as we come into the church, we've talked about uh, our, our core of discipleship. And the very first lesson we talk about is the Word of God. Because it's the Word of God is the foundation for all that we say and do. It provides for us in principle and in practice all that we need to live a life that is pleasing to God. And so we must make sure that it holds a primary place in our life. Um, oftentimes, I think we, we agree with that thought, but do we actually take time to get to know it? I'll just be honest with you. There are times growing up, it's like, man, I wish there was a substitute. I wish you could just, you know, get it in there. Just, yeah. But there's no substitute, right? There's no substitute. So we have to somehow make a way, make it a priority, and make it part of who we are as believers. And then what do we do with it once it comes in? It says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And so the Word of God is instrumental. The Holy Spirit takes that and allows us to understand what it means. And the Holy Spirit draws us to Himself. And we take that message, we, we, we respond in obedience to God in salvation. Then what do we do with it? Well, it makes a big difference what we do with it. We can either practice and apply it, or we can say, well, that's great for someone else. I mean, for those preacher types, or those Sunday school teacher types, or those deacons, you know, it's good for them, but yeah, you know, I'm not a preacher, so... No, God's Word says, study does show thyself approved, right? A workman that need not, what? Be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. For all you that are pastors and missionaries, right? No, for everybody. God's Word has given us the command, a commendation to study it. And the more we study it and we rightly divide it and we break it down, we say, how does this apply to my life and and where I live in 2013? And then I apply it and I live by it and it guides our, our actions, our thoughts, our reactions and so forth. Then what do we do with it? Take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let me just read several verses here. I want to begin reading in verse 6. It says, These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your heart and let them be as a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What's he saying here? The words of God, the very commands of God, the laws of God, all these things are to be front and center in our lives. They're to be in our house. We're to talk about it. You know, it's amazing. I think every one of us may have been guilty in times in our lives where we've talked about everything except the Word of God. Um, I wonder if we need to get back to the place where it's primary again. Look, look at Deuteronomy chapter 32. Couple of verses here that are really interesting. Deuteronomy 32, verse 46. <coughs> he said to them, Take to heart all these words I am giving you as a warning to you today, so that you may command your children to be carefully following some of the words of the law, most of the words of the law, oh, all the words of this law. In other words, he says it's all important. The commands that I've given, the laws that I've set forth, the precepts, all these things, he says, they're very, very important. And verse 47 says, For they are not meaningless words to you, but they are your life. And by them you will live long in the land you are crossing 
the Jordan to possess. He says they are your life. In other words, the, the Word of God can not only just contains God's Word, but it gives you everything that you need to, in order to live a life that is pleasing to God. That's so important. And God wants our children to learn from the time they are young, and they can grow up. Um, Friday night we had the opportunity to go to our daughter's uh, end of the school year concert. And it was talking about uh, Camp, uh, what was it, Camp? Camp Heart and Soul. And kind of a little bit of the gist of the storyline. You know, there's this big production that's going to be taking place, you know, in the, in the plot. And one guy is saying, hey, it's all about you as an individual. And all the kids are saying, no, it's not about us. It's all about the team. It's about us living for God. And, you know, if we don't teach our kids this at a very young age, we have the potential to grow up thinking that it is all about us. And but when we look from it from a from a godly biblical perspective, nothing is about us. It's all about learning what God has to say, and how am I going to respond to what God has said, right? So we've taken a important take this into complete importance as a kid. We get our kids in the Word of God. Um, I was kind of proud of Jake in the in the debates they had. You know, using the Word of God to defend a position. You have to learn to do that in life. Otherwise, life is just about, well, whatever feels good. And the world says there are no moral absolutes. There are no absolutes at all. Okay. If there are no absolutes, then, then there is no absolutes that there are no absolutes. But the bottom line is we do have absolutes. And the bottom line, absolutely. <laughs> we have the opportunity to know that what we do what we believe, how we respond to the circumstances of life, that God is in the midst of it all. But apart from the Bible, we wouldn't know that. Apart from God's Word, we respond in the flesh. Apart from God teaching us how to live, we live in selfishness. So we're to have it in our homes, and it's to be lived out, because he said there's not one meaningless word in the Bible. It's all for a purpose. And what does the Word of God give us? Let's bear out these, these passages in just a few moments here. First of all, it gives us hope. The Word of God gives us hope. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. This is a familiar passage. I know you all know it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And we're going to follow a progression here just for a few moments. It says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for, but the proof of what is not seen. So, in God's Word, He says, wait a minute, there's a faith, and faith comes by hearing, and when this faith is worked out, there's hope? Absolutely. Romans chapter 5. We're going to tie these, these next four passages together in just a moment. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong path, wrong book. That helps. <laughs> Romans 5. There we go. Romans 5, verse 3 says this. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that the affliction produces endurance and endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Faith 
produces hope, and hope will not be disappointing. And the bottom line is, let's move on, Psalm 78. Psalm chapter 78. We'll look at verses 5 and 7. Verse 5 says, He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers to teach their children. Now you're going to find out several places if you were to study out the word in the Old Testament. Sometimes He calls it a law. Sometimes He calls it a commandment. Sometimes He calls it a precept. Sometimes He calls it um, a testimony. But the bottom line is, it's all revolving around God's word being presented. So verse 5, He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children. And verse 7 says, So that they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's work, but keep His commands. You see a progression here. We have this hope, and this hope that we have comes from the Word of God that we spend time in. And then Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. In verse 4, it says, For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we may have hope through the endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. So all these things that God has written, from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, it gives us hope, and that hope brings us encouragement. So what is the value of of the Word of God? We have hope because of it. We don't have to go through life nebulously wondering what's going to happen next. Well, I guess I'll die, get stuck in the ground, and you know that's just the end. No. God's Word teaches us. There is hope. And I look forward to that. Um, I don't know about you, but there are days that you just feel like, man, it would just be a whole lot easier just to go to heaven, wouldn't it? There's days you feel like that, and there's days that you look forward to that. There's hope there. Not only that, it gives us freedom. Look in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. There's freedom. Verse 32. says, You will know the truth. Talking about the truth of God's Word. You know what's right. And the truth will set you free. Verse 34, Jesus responded, I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. I'm sorry, verse 35. I'm sorry, verse 33. We are descendants of Abraham. They answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Jesus responded, I assure you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Therefore, if the son sets you free you really will be free. The bottom line is, it's the truth that gives us freedom. I know as we look around the world that we live in, there are a lot of people who think, well, hey, I can find freedom here. I can find freedom in this. I can find freedom in that. And the bottom line is, we're fooling ourselves if we think we find freedom in anything other than the Word of God. It's the Word of God that gives us that freedom to move forward. And the liberties that we have come through the truth found in God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 45. Psalm 119, verse 45. Says this. 
I will walk freely in an open place because I seek your precepts. What are precepts? God's word, God's encouragement, God's exhortations. 1 Kings 4.29, once again, talks about the freedom, but let's skip to Psalm 18.19. Psalm 18.19. It says this. He brought me out to a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Isn't that awesome? The Lord, he's there. He gives us that freedom. We have an open place. The open spaces, the small things, the things that maybe to some people aren't important, but he gives us the desires. But not only that, sanctification. So he gives us hope. He gives us freedom. The word of God gives us sanctification. And once again, a very familiar verse. And uh, you have to bear with me. I talk about liking leather Bibles. Um, a few weeks ago when I went to the conference, I bought a new Bible. I know that will shock many of you. Um, it is what it is. Brian buys tools, I buy Bibles. Okay. Premium laughs, premium calfskin. The pages still stick in. John seventeen seventeen. You know the verse. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. You know, if we want to be sanctified, the word sanctified, there's a Greek word that is a common thread in three different words. The word holy, the word, the word set apart, and the word sanctified. All find their, their, their meaning in the same Greek word. But here's the deal. If I want to be holy, if I want to be sanctified, if I want to be set apart, he says, this is how you do it. You get in the Word. And what does Psalm 119.105 remind us? That Word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what? Sin. So the bottom line is, being in the Word helps us to live a holy lifestyle. And being in the Word helps us to not sin as much as if we were not in it. So the bottom line is we need to get into it. We need to make it part of our life and part of our day. So it gives us hope. It gives us freedom. The Word of God brings sanctification to us. But not only that, it brings us assurance. First John 5.13, you know the verse. These things have I written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ, that you may what? Know that you have eternal life. We have that confidence. We have that, not only that hope, but the absolute confidence. We don't have to guess. We don't have to think. We don't have to, you know, the bottom line is we have confidence. And we can have assurance in knowing that heaven is our home. But not only that, one more passage. First John chapter 2, verse 14. It says, I've written to you children... Because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you fathers because you have come to know the One who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's Word remains in you. And you have had victory over the evil one. How is there victory? How is there an ability to overcome? Because of the Word that is in us. The living Word. So when we look at all these things, we know what the Word of God does, and there's a whole other side of the study that we look at in our phase one of discipleship. But the bottom line is this. 
We have hope. We have freedom. We have sanctification. We have assurance. We have the ability to overcome. So what should be our response to all this? Well, Psalm chapter 19 again. We're going to look there. Psalm chapter 19. And verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. See, in this study, we've been talking about finding joy in the Word. When we immerse ourselves in the Word, what's He say here? We know that the precepts, the commands, the laws, the Word, the testimony, all these things that, com- that are comprehended in the Word brings us what? Gladness. He wants us to be glad. He wants us to have joy. And the one way we're going to find it, one way we can find it, is by immersing ourselves in the Word. Turn over to Psalm 119. Look at a couple of verses here. Psalm 119, first of all, verse 16. Psalm 119, verse 16. It says, I will delight in your statutes, and I will not forget your Word. Psalmist says, wait a minute. I'm going to not only delight in it, I'm not going to forget it. I'm amazed that over the years, um, if I could say it this way, I grew up in a Christian school. I went to Christian school most of the time through. And every Monday morning we had five verses to be memorized for our verse quiz. Some of you went through that. You went through those things as well. And then I was in a youth group at our church and we had verses to memorize every week. It's amazing how many of those verses, I, you know, sometimes I can't give you the chapter and verse. I'll be talking to somebody and all of a sudden the verse will come out. I'll be talking to this person and a verse will come out. Why? Because God's word will abide in us. And it comes out, the Holy Spirit will use that to help us. So 119 verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. It's a commitment that all of us need to make. When it comes to God's Word. Um, Psalm 119, verse 97. How I love your instruction is my meditation all the day long. So because it is our hope, because it does give us freedom, because we do find assurance there, because it does sanctify us, because it does give us the ability to overcome. He says, I love the instruction. It's my meditation all the day long. Verse 111. It says, I have your decrees as a heritage forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. He says, the decrees. Once again, there's all these words that encompass different aspects of the word. The commands, the precepts, the testimonies, the statutes, laws, commands, all these things. But verse 11, he brings it one more. Decrees. He says, I have them as a heritage forever. And one last verse I want to look at in Jeremiah chapter 15. Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16. Don't you love this? How important is the Word of God? It says, Your words were found and I... What? Ate them. Your words became a delight to me. And what? The joy of my heart. 
It says, For I am called by your name, Yahweh God of hosts. If we want to have real joy, as we've been talking over the last several weeks, finding joy in loving others, finding joy in the Word of God, finding joy in what God has done, all these areas of joy in the, in the life of a believer. But we cannot take away from what God's Word ta- has taught us. It's so valuable. And we find joy in spending time with God's Word. In our life, I know it can be very busy. Um, I, as I've said many times over the last couple of months, I can't believe that we're sitting here and in a couple of weeks our kids are gonna, one of our kids are going to graduate. Where did those 18 years go? And sometimes uh, I was told in my 20s that, boy, wait till you get older, you know, time will fly even faster. I'm like, yeah, right. And all of a sudden I look back and say, how did I get here? And then I'm told each week is like that for many people. Wait a minute, weren't we just here in church two days ago? I mean, somehow there were seven days before since the last time we met. Then we realize just how fast life goes. And it's so easy, and I'm just telling you, because we're all we all live here. It's so easy to get up in the morning, take your shower, take your medication, put your get your clothes on, and go out the door and do whatever it is that we do. And all of a sudden you look back at the end of the day and you wonder, did I spend any time with God? Did I spend any time in prayer with Him? Did we cultivate that relationship? Remember, relationship is two-way. Both giving and receiving of information. It's not one side going, and the husband going. It's giving and receiving. Right? A lot of communication, strong relationship. Very little communication, very little relationship. Us speaking to God. God speaking to us. Two-way communication. A lot of communication, strong relationship. Very little communication, very weak relationship. This is how God communicates with us. And somehow, men especially, we have to find a way to get it in so it can be processed. If not reading it, listening to it, CDs and cassettes and internet, and we have so many tools available to us today. And with the busyness of our lifestyle, we've got to get it in. Because it's what changes us as human beings. Don, Don is on his second time through the Bible this year. Third. That's right. Two in one year. Three. Uh, starting the third time through. Listening to it. That's awesome. And you begin to see, when you start looking at the big picture, you see how it ties together throughout. And pretty soon you start looking forward to it. And what's going to happen next? It's an exciting book. But more than just being exciting, it's how God speaks to us. And somehow guys, women, teens, we've got to find a way to get it in our hearts. We've got to take the time. Spend time with God and let Him speak to us. I know it's not easy. But we got to do it if we want God to change us. If we want that hope. If we want that assurance. If we want the ability to overcome. If we want to be sanctified and a host of other things. If we want to learn about God. 
Sunday's not enough. It's really not enough. It's not enough for me. It's not enough for you. We've got to have that daily time with the Lord. So my challenge this morning is, let the Word of God dwell in you richly, as Colossians reminds us. And as we do that, according to that last verse we looked at, you will have joy. According to Psalms, you'll be glad in your heart because of the Word in you. Let's pray.